Hello and welcome to the Improvement Nerds Podcast, where we host conversations about the things that nerd us out. The idea behind the Improvement Nerds Podcast is to invite guests onto our show and give them a platform to talk about the things that make them nerdy. And as they share their ideas, we want to explore the important question of how does that idea intersect with improvement? We're curious about multiple types of improvement. Improvement of self, improvements made by teams, improvements made by organizations and communities of people. We even want to know improvement that's occurring at a larger scale, possibly with a societal impact. During each episode, we, along with our guests, will explore the topics that that person's passionate about. The things that, when they're doing them, make time pass without any effort. The things that seem more like play than they do work. The things that are possibly that person's true calling. As we explore the topics that make us and that guest nerdy, we'll explore the why behind that passion and understand the purpose that that idea is bringing to that person's life. We'll allow that person to teach us a little bit and share with us more information about that topic so that we can explore the idea for ourselves. Then we'll look at how that passion intersects with improvement. In other words, we want to know how that idea makes us better people, better friends, better employees, better leaders, better insert whatever role might fit. We're excited to have you join us on this journey as we and our guests nerd out. All right, episode two, where Travis and I have a conversation about those individuals that had an impact on our lives, uh, our mentors, our influencers, and how those lessons really helped us to understand what it meant to be a father, be a leader, be whatever role uh, that that individual is trying to help us develop in. We're excited to be sharing those stories. We're also excited to be thinking about the future a little bit and talking about the types of guests that we hope that we would be able to host on this conversation. Uh, So I do a little bit of brainstorming at the end of this episode and talk about those individuals I hope I get to interview. Hey, Mr. West, welcome back to the Improvement Nerds podcast. Thanks, Lozier. Before we recorded this, you you're already warning me that there's a joke coming about a bad penny, so yeah. this is your platform. You're back early. So you're going to give me a chat? So, you know, in the first episode, you just wanted me to kind of like help you get started. And here it is, the second episode, I'm back already. I know. So just so you know that I'm going to be like trying to like knock on your door, send you emails to say, hey, I'm going to come back like every episode and just like interview you. I know. Cool? You know, I was going to leave that up to the audience last time, but it's just destined to always be in your presence and having these conversations as you and I've had our whole life. I, <laughs> in this, you know, as we record these, just backstory, a lot of people uh, who don't know Travis and I, you know, there's many that we've worked with in our career in healthcare who came to know us, but we kept it pretty low key that we've known each other for quite a while. And I've got a lot of gray hair in my beards now. Uh, but when we met when I was 18 and we were both at Indiana state, like, um, you know, it's been a journey since then. So we've known each other for a long time and I love these conversations with you. Yeah. Perfect. Well, um, I'll do my best to stay on my best behavior. You should, you know, so, that yeah, I'm going to have to also start, being careful about how much wine I let you have before we <laughs> that's podcast. That's <laughs> I, I, Yeah, that's true. I, this is my first glass. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, you know, I, I, like I said in the first episode, I think that people that get to know you, Tom, they kind of love you. And I think that that's a gift that you've always had um, ever since I've known you in college. So 
Um, why don't you, in this second episode, maybe tell a little bit about who you are to the audience so they can start to connect with you as kind of a person, right? Before we start talking about what's the future of Improvement Nerds podcast look like? Um, because I think there's there's hundreds of improvement podcasts out there, but you know what I think yours is unique in is you. So what mm. what 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 about you, Tom? It, um, so it's not easy to to talk about myself because I'm uh, introverted. Uh, in most of my career and even my education was spent around working with numbers. So while at Indiana State, I studied risk management very data-sided study, Uh, came out of school, eventually went back to graduate school. I studied finance, yet again, another um, study or uh, body of knowledge that was very data-driven. You know it's not too late to change this, like, podcast name to, like, the finance nerd or, like, math math nerd? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. So the reason I, I pursued those things was, you know, kind of where I grew up, northwest Indiana, steel mill country and a lot of our our focus in school up there and education was around analytics and, and data so there was a lot of power to numbers in in my upbringing uh, in my family because my dad worked in insurance my mother uh, was in management working within grocery stores so you know they were very number savvy themselves so just kind of at a young age, I saw numbers as being important. That was reinforced in my, my schooling through grade school, high school. Uh, of course, then I went to college and doubled down on numbers uh, and even got a master's degree. My MBA is focused on finance. So I always found comfort in, in data and it allowed me to work alone and in quiet. And that really just um, you know kind of allowed me to to keep my batteries charged, being an introvert, I, I'm pretty outgoing. I um, can fake it pretty well and, you know, be around people and interact with people. But after a long day of speaking publicly or getting to know individuals, uh, I, I need to go and have alone time. And oftentimes after, like, teaching a class or, or speaking publicly, I'll pull up a data spreadsheet and I'll, crunch I'll just crunch numbers. It's... It's sad, but it's true. I, I felt like I should stop you because I knew where you were going. It was like a train coming down the tracks. Oh. You could see the light, but I couldn't stop you. So, <laughs> sorry. So you went to Indiana State University as an undergrad. Go trees, right? Go trees, yes. And then um, I know you're extremely humble, but you actually got a master's degree from one of the nation's most well-known business programs, which yes. was the Kelly School of Business um, MBA program. So... That's pretty a big deal. That's a big deal, right? Yes, yeah. At, at, I went to school right after the um, financial downturn in 2009, mm-hmm. and a lot of the financial focus was on uh, how can you, uh, as a, a student, come out of the school and make a difference in your career as a finance professor. And it was all about the future and practicing with integrity and helping um organizations not just be uh, well off in regards to their financial performance but really make an impact on how they run their business and that was a great time to be in school and I think that helped me to open up my mind a little bit about my studies weren't just about the numbers but it was really about the responsibilities that organizations have not not just to their customers but to the people that they employ 
um, and you know that that set a lot of things in motion for me as I, I moved into the workforce. Yeah, that, I think that's a really interesting insight. Even from ISU to IU, <clears throat> I think people that are in the finance industry typically think the stereotype is I'm in this for money. And you've never been wired that way. In fact, one of your first jobs in the finance business was around the nonprofit industry. And I think, again, that's when you look back on someone's kind of professional path and what's kind of shaped them to who they've become, um, it's no surprise to me that you've kind of ended up wired this way, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that, that time in my life where I was working in nonprofit while going to school. I was in treasury services working for a fundraiser and uh, my, my goal was to be in a leadership in a financial role, becoming a, an analyst or a CFO or working in business development. I thought that's where my career was going. But while I was doing fundraising has individuals in the congregation, so it was a faith-based fundraiser, but as they made their contributions, those funds were routed to our offices, accounted for, and then distributed back out to the field agents to, to, to do the humanitarian relief or whatever uh, work was necessary. And as I looked at the process that we were following to you know, take these funds and distribute them to the field agents, I realized they were terribly inefficient. There was a lot of opportunities for improvement in the work that we were doing. So um, never sitting idle, always wanting to try to institute change and make things a little bit better. Um, I went to a professor and talked a little bit about ways that they thought that I can uh, address the opportunities I was seeing within my everyday work. And they suggested I enroll in Greenbelt class through the program and so I, I followed that person's direction, and during Greenbelt, they required you to complete a couple of projects. And as I took the Greenbelt classes, you know, I took and treated that as a, a invite in some ways to talk to my employer and say, hey, this is required for my MBA. I have to do these projects. Yeah. And as, as I did them, we changed the way that we allocated funds and how quickly we distributed funds instead of doing it monthly we were doing it more 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 frequently to get these dollars out and into the field to help those people who required aid and support and as a result of that we mitigated a lot of borrowing and a lot of interest on the dollars that were borrowed to be able to respond immediately simply by um, you know speeding up our cash flows so you know as i did that project i was super excited about it it's like i got hooked on this thing and i was telling everyone uh, about the project that I had done, and you were one of those people while we were out there training for the Chicago Marathon. I, I shared with you what I was doing with these project ideas, and you said, well, you know, people do that for a career. That you know, being a belt is a full time position, and it's just funny how all these things, you know, seemingly don't make sense as you're doing them. It feels like you're going a little bit forward, and then a little bit backwards, or moving left and right, and you think you're climbing a ladder, or you're achieving something that's you know all in alignment but reality is is it's patchwork and it, it comes together in very unexpected ways yeah totally <clears throat> truer words have never been spoken with that for sure so um hopefully that gave your audience base kind of a background of who you are um and i know you're way way more than that as a person but 
Um, why don't you spend a little bit of time and tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, with us trying to keep these things short, you know, I'm going to have to pick the highlights. Um, and I could talk forever about Keep it to like family. an hour. Let's go yeah, with an hour. Yes, <laughs> an hour per kid and, yeah, right. and for my spouse. So I uh, married my, uh, my best friend. We met in college at Indiana State, similar to how you and Alyssa. Um, after school, Carolyn and I, we moved to Indianapolis to be around family. Her sister and her dad lived here, and we moved here, and they moved away. Uh, but we just loved Indianapolis, and uh, we made it our home. And uh, we welcomed, uh, shortly after moving to this area, uh, we welcomed our firstborn, Hagen. He's now six. He's a kindergartner. And he's just, you know, uh, this ball of energy. Uh, so we, you know, had a blast having only him for two years. Two years later, you know, Carolyn and I had talked. We wanted another another kid. We wanted a boy and a girl. And we were planning at stopping at two. And, of course, the universe had different plans for us. Uh, so we had even picked out the little girl's name. We were so sure we were having a girl. We were no, gonna, it was totally a girl. Yes. Totally we, a girl. We were going to name her Malin. Oh, that's uh, a great after name. After my uh, grandmother. Um, again, the universe had different plans. So Carol and I were blessed with twin boys, uh, which, you know, once we found out and they had told us, oh, twice the blessing, like, I, I could have thrown up in the garbage can because raising one was a challenge. I couldn't imagine the, the, the amount of energy it was going to take to keep up with two of Hagen's. Um, but now that our twins are here and that they're four, they're right. It, it was just a tremendous blessing. And those boys, they, they mean the world to me and to Carolyn. And they keep us young. You know, yeah. The only reason I run nowadays uh, is to stay fit enough to keep up with those little guys. <laughs> totally, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you, uh, you've got a beautiful family, Tom, and anyone that knows you personally knows that firsthand. So, um, I know, of, I, you know I, that's I, nice because a lot of people when they meet Carolyn, they're like, "You married up." Like, I don't yeah. know, how, I don't know how you did it, but <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I know you could talk for days on your family. Um, part of the Improvement Nerds podcast will weave in stories, I'm sure, of your family. Oh, yes. Every, every time I present, every class I teach, you know, yeah. I, I just brag about the blessing that I have. Yeah, for sure. So let's shift gears a little bit about family to who have been your, you know, just talk about your high-level kind of main influences in your life. And I know in, your, in the past you've talked to me about your cross-country coaches. There's yes. been people in your life that have came in that have gave you some kind of knowledge that you've just kind of latched on to. Who have those people been, and what have they meant to you? Yeah, the, the list is pretty pretty short. You know, um, growing up in a relatively small town, I've had a career in which I spent nine years with one organization. So, you know, my, my circle was pretty small. And being an introvert, it's not like I wanted a really big circle anyways. Right. Uh, so those people who impacted me did have profound impacts, uh, but they're not, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. They're a really small group of individuals. And most of their impact on me were in the way that they would lead their lives or the perspectives that they had on life and the things that they would just repeat, like the, their sound bites in some ways. So... Um, not many people know this, but growing up, I was in a pretty severe car accident uh, as a seven-year-old, and the uh, outcome didn't look very promising. 
uh, that they had told my family to kind of expect the worst, that I wasn't going to make it. That, of course, changed, and, you know, day by day that, that became more positive. But, you know, it went from he, he'll make a recovery, but he's not going to walk, or he's going to make a recovery, but he's going to have epilepsy his whole life. So, you know, having a life event like that, um, you know, coming out of it, I was very careful in how I got involved in sports. Like, you know, I was afraid of getting hurt and I was very conservative. So I kind of made excuses for myself after an event like that. I didn't want harm to happen to me. I was just being a, in some ways, uh, overly protective of myself. But I came across a coach in cross country who just said, can't never did nothing. Yeah. I and, love it. And that, uh, was just this kind of like your excuses are never going to help you become the, the, the person that you could potentially become. The only thing that's going to get you there is trust and hard work and going after it and not accepting anything but the outcome that you want for yourself. So that really helped me um, challenge myself uh, and I kind of blossomed as a runner and kind of started to think that if I can achieve these things, what else can I do? So he instilled in me that just don't use the word can't because yeah. it's an excuse. You know, yeah. just try to think about what you can can do. Uh, so he was the assistant coach, actually. The, the head coach also had a lot of great sound bites, and he knew I was wired for numbers. So he, he always said, you can't make a withdrawal from a bank you never put deposits in. And it, it wasn't just about running. You know, he was a great great person he he'd say that about relationships or about your schoolwork or or whatever and again just reinforcing that if you want to make withdrawals in life you have to make investments first yeah. and, and to always invest more than you withdraw and to keep that keep that in mind that withdrawals are something that you should never over overdraw if you can mm -hmm. avoid it now if you find yourself in dire straits definitely seek help and ask for it don't be stubborn in that way but don't just take 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 try to yeah. give as well yeah. and then of course john mcnichols you're an ice coach yeah. he, he took us from just children to um mature individuals who knew that our, our roles wasn't just to be athletes or students but to be community members john mcnichols yeah. was a great servant to the indiana state uh, university but more to the the, the city of Terre Haute and yeah. everything that he did was about service to others and service to the community and just watching the way that he built up that town and all the, the obligations he was able to fulfill. It's like time to, wasn't a constraint to him. He, he yeah. was in so many places. He was doing so many great things that I had no idea how he was doing it. And that impressed me and it impressed that I too should make time to try to be all those things and to invest in my community. Uh, so in regards to sports, those were the three. Once I came into the professional world, you know, I, I would put you on that list. And the thing that you told me is in my work, yes, make an impact, but realize the most important work you're ever going to do is around your dinner table. Yeah. And that's where I realized the importance of, you know, making progress as a professional but don't overinvest there to the point to where where you go home and you're so exhausted you can't sit at your dinner table and then make the investments you got to make there. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Tom. That's um, 
we should have scripted this out so I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> for sure. You should have. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah. I said something I had no idea had an impact on you. Right, for and sure. And you've said so many things yeah. that have impacted me, and you probably didn't yeah. know it. And that's the beauty of saying what you nerd out about or what you truly believe in. Because yeah. once you put it out in the universe, it, your people who think that same way will find you. But the other people who haven't had that realization yet are going to... Um, have some some opportunities to rethink about what they place value on it and that uh, up to that point i didn't see myself as a father i hadn't even started a family yet i was young and we were two years away from having hagen but you said that over and over and over again and i wasn't even thinking about a family but it just became hardwired so when i did i knew hey this is this is important right here this this child these children of mine this neighborhood I live in, this this is where I can leave my mark too. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> you know, the the other thing about Coach McNichols that I think that um, I would just add to your story that, um, you know, he coached me. He recruited me from high school. He was the first coach that was calling, you know, my house. And, um, you know, and at the Division One level, you're competing with the best of the best. And... Um, one of the things or multiple things I liked about him was he never raised his voice. Yeah. He, he was never the type of coach that would just, you know, go off the hinge. And I think that that's where I learned that, um, kindness can go a long way mm-hmm. and that it, kindness matters. And that if you, um, really care about your people, you know, for coach, it was his athletes, but for us, it's our children, it's our wives, it's our spouses, it's our communities. Insert whatever matters most to you. If you really care about them, that, that this, I think there's a, a, a false belief that don't mistake kindness for, weak, for weakness. Yeah. And I, I think that that's what I learned most from Coach was that um, he was always kind, but he was never weak. Yes, the guy yeah. won more Missouri Valley Conference championships than anyone. He trained Olympians. He, he, he trained and... Olympians, and but if you would see him and his demeanor, you would say, "Oh, that's it. He's weak. Th- no way." No. And, and I think that that's what really shaped this kind of idea for for me, and I know for you too, is that if you can practice kindness and really get behind people, support them in meaningful ways. That's what life's about, and that's yeah. what Coach was about, right? Yeah, he, exactly. He had this calmness in situations that were very stressful, um, in students who would make poor choices and, and whatnot. He always gave people the benefit of the doubt, and he always helped people to rationalize what had happened, and he'd always look to those people to figure out what they ought to do next. Like, yeah. he, he never went to people and, here's what you should do. Yeah. He'd always put the person in the position where they were empowered to make the decisions about what was going to happen next. And, and along the way, he would suggest ideas if you needed him to, and the ideas he would suggest were meant to stretch you because he, he was wonderful in knowing his athletes better than those athletes knew themselves and he would help individuals discover strengths that were dormant that individuals who had an ability to lead others he would give them that role even though that person didn't realize that they had that potential within themselves or 
um, you know, had this ability to be funny when things were stressful. He'd put them in situations where that person could play to that strength. He, he has a leader. He was a multiplier. He, yeah. he knew his people well, and he knew what they were capable of, and he put them in situations where they could shine, and that was another thing that really was important in the way he led the team and the way he developed you and I and everyone who was under his leadership has, has people. Yeah, totally. The the only thing Coach didn't get right with me was he wanted me to run the steeplechase. <laughs> and, and Tom, I ran it one like one day, and it was just like he he saw how I was running the steeple. He's like, "All right, Lozier, you're gonna stick to the five k. We're, <laughs> we're gonna keep you there." I think he I think it was just like an experiment. He had a you know he had to put me through, but yeah. Um, that's another thing is that experimentation. Imagine. You gotta try. You gotta try. I, yeah. I think. I think in his way, like I've said this before, like if he was a master black belt, that would have been his PDCA cycle with me. Yeah. Just to like let's get Lozier in it, and it didn't take him long in the act cycle to say, yeah, this isn't gonna work. So yes. So we've we've learned a little bit about you, Tom. We learned about your beautiful family. We've talked about your influences. So this improvement nerd podcast, right? So what can we? expect from this so in episode one we just kind of set the table right yeah this episode we're talking about getting to getting to know you a little bit more so as we transition to the end of episode two what can we expect what what are some of the topics that most interest you that we can expect in the future yes so i hope to find individuals out there that are willing to share their story about the things that they're passionate about. And some of the things I'm excited to learn from those individuals are, you know, of course, leadership is a big topic. Um, but wellness and well-being is something that I want to learn more about. Meditation and mindfulness is something that I hope uh, I can have someone come and talk about. Uh, self-awareness, um, you know, I've always benefited from the tools that exist, whether it's Strength Finders or DISC. Um, even recently the Enneagram. So I want to try to bring individuals to share their passion about self-awareness and maybe hear from people that are experts and nerds that are out there nerding out about those things. Uh, design thinking is, is one. Um, I, this one's kind of a stretch, but I'd love to talk to someone about the idea of nature bathing. Yeah. Like, you know, I've, I've I took fall- a nice nature bath today, <laughs> yeah. this morning. It was beautiful. I know. Um, being a runner, I'm always outdoors. But, you know, I, I thought as a runner, you know, I'd experience nature to the point where, like, I couldn't possibly love it anymore. And my wife's, you know, while we've been traveling in our new roles as consultants, she's like, go see the national parks wherever you go. And I'm like, nature's nature. I'm like, why would I travel all this distance to be somewhere in nature where every day when I run I'm already out there no there there's nature when you're out running and then there's our national parks so I want to meet people who are passionate about our parks and uh, hear from them about the parks they've seen and how they're experiencing them so the the topics are are endless because how some people might say okay well how do the parks have anything to do with improvement well if you if you've stood at, at the floor of Yosemite Valley and you've looked at those monuments and the things that have occurred due to nature and think about how that has happened and, and the forces that made those things occur, you realize how insignificant you are as a person. And, and to me, that that's important in the journey of improvement is to know 
the role that you play in it. And in improvement, it's not really about having the answers, but being present enough to help uh, facilitate the improvement to occur and to also just trust that bigger things are at play and that this universe is very powerful. And those things, like, up until the point I stood in Yosemite Valley, like, I didn't understand, um, you know, the, the magnitude of the things that have have occurred and will continue to occur with or without me. So that, you know, just that, that's one way that I think people may find that how, how can all these things be tied back to improvement? Well, you'd be... Um, You'd be amazed that, you know, all these things do really add up and can be directed in a way to bring about important change and, and help people and help teams and help organizations or help communities of people uh, really move forward. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's beautiful, Tom. And I think that if I were to summarize that, I think that the Improvement Nerd, Nerd podcast is going to be very broad and you look at improvement, improvement sciences, how people make improvement to be a very broad subject, because it is. Yes. It very much is. It's about how people perceive that. It's about how you engage people in the change. It's about how you engage people in the improvement. So I love the way that you've shaped the vision for this because um, it opens the door for a lot of dialogue and discussion because yeah. I think um, – Speaking from, um, you know, for myself early on, I used to think improvement was about the improvement sciences and how well can you execute a specific improvement tool. And I think the more that you mature, the more you realize that that's just kind of naive a little bit to think about that it's just about the tools when it's about how do you how do you embrace the whole person, the people, the group, the population, the community, Yes, and this type of thing. And that's pretty big, right? And, and pursuit has a journey. Like it's not, improvements not go from point A to point B and that's it. You know, it's this evolution of things that you're not trying to just achieve in the short term, but you're really trying to position a mindset that once adopted creates opportunity, not just in the short term, but over a longer period of time and potentially a lifetime or even past a person's lifetime and into the next generation. And it becomes this somewhat ecosystem yeah. of events happening through the work of people that are trying to bring about important change that lay the foundation for the next changes to occur upon. And it hopefully becomes a flywheel like effect where it all adds up over time and brings about advance, advancements that people once thought weren't possible. Yep. Very cool, Tom. So your website is thegreen.group.com? Yeah, it's it's our website. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, so, check it out. Yeah, lots of good stuff out there. Um, if you haven't taken away from these first two episodes, lots of good stuff coming from the Improvement Nerd. And... Um, we're excited, Tom, about the future of this, so stay tuned. And if I'm lucky, I might come back for episode three or four. I'm, I'm already working on that. Yeah. Tom, Tom's looking at me like, no, no. <laughs> so maybe I'll come back in the future, but um, these first two episodes were a good run. Yes. So Thank you, Travis, for the conversation and, again, for the energy that you provided to getting these things off the ground. For sure. Thanks, Tom.
As always, it's a lot of fun to have conversations with Travis. Very thankful for him helping me get episode two recorded and produced and published so that you guys can listen to it. It was a lot of fun to walk down memory lane, think about he and I's history together, also to talk about those individuals who've mentored us and influenced us. Um, they definitely have guided us in a lot of areas in our lives and really help us mature and really taught us to be fearless whenever we had hopes or dreams or things that we thought would be really cool to try. So thanks to them, you know, we um, kind of relied on that in, in creating this podcast. So we're excited to see where this goes. I do, as we close this out, I want to um, close with an ask that if you enjoy what you're listening to, please follow us on LinkedIn, find us on Facebook, visit us at our website, which is www.thegreen.group.com. Also, if you'd like to share your story, if you'd like to talk about the things that nerd you out, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have conversation with you. This is Tom signing off. I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode.